So today we're talking about staying regular. And we're touching on Luke chapter 5 this morning. We're talking, talking about Luke chapter 5 this morning. Before we get into Luke chapter 5, before we read it together, we want to take into consideration who Jesus is in the moment that his future disciples meet him. Who is Jesus? So you've got to understand, like we, we have the luxury of looking at scriptures through a backwards lens. We can read scriptures, and we can pick bits and pieces out of it, and sometimes we forget the chronology of events. We forget the order that they appear in or that they happen in, and, and so sometimes we make assumptions about the state of a situation or, or maybe uh, what's going on in society at the time. And the passage we're going to cover today as we talk about staying regular, we're talking about Simon this morning, but you need to understand something. Jesus had just gone through receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit after he was baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The heavens opened up. This is my son with whom I am well pleased, God said, from heaven down to his son. It says the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus like a dove. And then he was immediately brought into a season of immense temptation, tempted with everything that you and I would ever possibly be tempted with, the most basic needs that we could ever possibly want or desire, Jesus was met with temptation in these areas of life. Why did he go through that? Well, first of all, to show that Jesus is indeed deity. It's crucial to understand. Jesus is God's son. He and the Father are one. This is very important to understand, important to remember, and it's the lens we need to look through when we are looking at the scriptures. But in Christ's humbling himself, as we are celebrating and remembering this season, as Jesus humbles himself to become a mere child amongst mankind, and forsaking his deity for his season on earth, he taught us lessons, and they're crucial lessons that we need to apply to our lives, but they're beyond just lessons like you would learn at school. These are lessons that affect our souls and have a profound implication upon our eternity. It's very important to remember. Jesus wasn't just a philosophical teacher. He wasn't just one of many messiahs or many prophets. Jesus is the be-all and end-all uh, picture of what we see God with us as. We can't get around that. We have to remember that. If you struggle with that and you're challenged with that and you're like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, I encourage you to do something that I do. I practice this often is if I run into portions of scripture or things that I don't understand about the faith, I choose to put those on the shelf for a season and come back to them after I grow a little bit in it. And the other piece that I think is important is if we are met with challenging questions about what we read in scripture, we have to make assumptions off the get-go that Scripture is God-breathed. It is there for us to learn and to grow from. We ought to take it very seriously, extremely seriously. And if we bump into things that chafe us or we're confused by or we don't understand, you don't have to figure it all out today. The best part is, if you don't figure it out on this side of the grave, you'll be with Jesus one day and it's going to be fine. But if you have questions and you're, and you're concerned and you're just not sure about what the answer looks like or it bothers you and you don't know how it fits, Put it on the shelf or make a note of it in your journal 
and just say, Lord, I'll come back to this when you feel it's ready for me to. And, and what's amazing is God's Holy Spirit will prepare you for the time of understanding his word as he gives revelation about his scripture, which is really cool stuff. So, more freebies for this morning. So Jesus was this man who appears on the scene. Uh, his forerunner was John the Baptizer, who's just eaten locusts and honey and dressed in camel hair and coming out of the wilderness and looking like a pretty wily dude. And he's preparing the way, preparing people to have their hearts ready for the Messiah's coming. So Jesus comes, he is baptized, brought, brought up out of the water. We talked about this a few Sundays ago. The Holy Spirit rests upon him. This is my son with whom I am well pleased, God says. Jesus is ushered into the wilderness. He experiences incredible temptations of all sorts of kinds. And then out of that, he comes back into the community. The first thing that he does is he heals a man that had an unclean demon. Some of your Bibles might say an unclean spirit inside of him. He goes and he heals many other people. And then he goes and he preaches in the synagogues. If you don't know what that is, it's like a church. And so, sets somebody free from, be, from under a spiritual attack, heals many people from many different ailments, and then boom, goes and begins to teach in the synagogues. Now, suddenly, this person who not a lot of people really knew about societally, they're just like, who's, who's Jesus? Suddenly, Jesus is in their space and the community around him in that area at the time are probably wondering, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Who is this guy? So before we dig into Luke chapter 5 and we, and we dig into the story about fishing, we need to consider who Jesus appeared to be to the people on the ground. Because we look back and of course we know it's Jesus, but they don't. They don't know who this guy is. What business does he have to come into their space and give them any counsel or advice? So who was Jesus? He's just a guy from town. People probably knew who he was in the sense that he was Joseph's kid. He had some brothers. There's a rumor a little bit, because you know how small towns are. There's rumors that float around that maybe Mary had him out of wedlock. Not totally sure, but could have happened. He was a carpenter. Some guy named John had been talking about this guy named Jesus, and John was a weird guy, so we don't know how credible John is in his description of who this person is going to be. There was some understanding that he taught at some temples and churches when he was just a wee fellow, only 13 years old. doesn't make any sense. Is, is he strange? Is he eccentric? Is he a little bit weird? Was he homeschooled? We don't know. If you homeschool your kids, it's okay. Don't worry. But he was kicked out of the temple just before he goes and meets these guys at the lake. He was kicked out of the temple. He was prophesying, saying things that no man had any business saying whatsoever. And he was strange in the community. But he healed people. You know, he dealt with this man who was affected by a demonic spirit. He had unearthly authority over natural things. So he seemed to have some kind of connection with something that was beyond himself. You know, that's what the community is talking about anyway. He had been teaching in some temples and, and local churches. 
He'd been healing people that otherwise couldn't be cured of their diseases by any other means. So there's something about this guy, but nobody was quite sure. They couldn't put their finger on it. And I want you to remember this this morning as we step into this next part of the story is that in everybody's mind, Jesus was just a guy in the community. They weren't fully aware of the reality of who he was just quite yet. And he hadn't called anybody to follow him. So let's read this through. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. I'm reading out of the ESV. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God because Jesus was teaching, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. So these guys were done fishing for the day. They figured, that's it. There's no hope. We're not catching anything. We pulled in the boats. We dragged out our nets, and we're going to get everything cleaned up and reset for the next time we go out. So here comes Jesus, and he just hops into one of these boats, which was Simon's boat, And then he asked Simon, hey, put this thing out a little bit from the land. Then he sat down and he continued to teach people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, when he finished teaching, he looks at Simon again. He's like, hey, pal, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus said it once already. Hey, put these out a little bit. Nobody listened. And then he looks at Simon and says to him, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, and and, you know, he's looking at this guy and he's realizing that he's a teacher because he's teaching out of one of the boats. He realizes he's a teacher, so he's trying not to be rude, but he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Anytime you see an exclamation mark in the Bible, I encourage you to read it with emphasis. So he's been out all night. He's been fishing because that's when the fish bite. And he's looking at this guy who strolls on up, sits in a boat, probably without anybody's permission, plops right down, goes and starts teaching to a crowd while he murmurs under his breath, hey, put these out in the water a little bit, and no one listened to him. And so now he's staring at Simon, looking him dead in the eyes, and he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now Simon, who's a fisherman, who probably talks a bit like this, yar. And he's looking at Jesus and he's thinking, who is this guy trying to get my attention? I've been out all night slaving in the seas. And this guy comes along, figures he can send me out in the water to catch more fish. And he's visibly bothered by Jesus's ask. Master, we've toiled all night. No, he doesn't say it like that. He said, we toiled all night. We've taken nothing. We've taken nothing. We've worked all night long, and we've taken nothing. But fine, at your word, fine, at your word. I'll look down the nets. We'll give it the old college try, he says. And then when they'd done this, They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come on out, you got to come help us. And they came and they filled both the boats so that the boats actually began to sink. Who here likes to fish? Who here is actually good at fishing? Yeah, okay, a couple of you. 
You guys saw those hands raised. Swarm them after and find out their secrets, how they do it. This is amazing. Yeah, shrimp and marshmallows. That's everybody says. I've tried this so many times. I bought all the shrimp and marshmallows from Canadian Tire, and I haven't managed to catch a single fish. In the doesn't matter. You know what? We're not, we're not, we're not having a counseling session here, okay? We're not, this isn't counseling time. You can tell there's a sore spot for me, all right? No fish. These guys were seasoned vets in their trade. They knew what they were doing. They knew it perfectly well. In fact, they probably taught many other young people also how to fish. They had the supplies to fish. They had the boats to fish. They had the nets to fish. And they were ready to go out and fish. They were fishermen. They knew everything that had to be done. And suddenly, this guy, this teacher, shows up, hops down in a boat, uninvited, and says, why don't you just go and put it out in the water a little bit and throw your nets See how it goes. Of course they're going to be ticked. Of course they're going to have a lot of four-letter words to share with Jesus. These are just fishermen. These are regular, old fishermen. They had to signal to their partners in the other boat, come over. You got to help. You got to help. Quickly, you got to help. Quick, the nets are filling up. You got to get your other boat in here. We can't hold it all. And they're struggling and they're loading up the fish and they're loading up the other boat and suddenly the other boat is beginning to sink and, and thankfully they're not too, too far that they can't manage to bring it all back in. But the reality is is that they just hit gold when it comes to fishing. They're able to provide for their families. They're able to provide for those that are in need. They're able to go to the markets. They're able to have food in their bellies. Suddenly, every single thing that they needed was met in an instant, and it came from a source that had no business weighing in on this topic. Because these guys were the professionals. They don't know Jesus from anybody. Their boats began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet. When's the last time that you have had such an awe-stricken reaction to anything in life? Anything. I mean, we're so blasé, typically in our culture, aren't we? We could see spaceships come down from heavens, and we'd be like, eh, I saw it on the news last week. We're pretty chill about stuff, right? We don't get too worked up. We don't get too excited. Nothing really knocks our socks off. Heaven forbid we are so confronted with the reality of our own depravity that we actually fall down on our knees and repent. But this is exactly what happens here. And, and we see Simon say something amazing. He goes, depart from me. Depart from me. Picture yourself being in this situation for a moment. Somebody that you do not know shows up at your work site, at your college, in your school, at your home, whatever situation it may be. And you are a professional. You're an expert at everything that you do. And this guy shows up and says, why don't you just try it this way instead? And you know that he is totally nuts. You know that there is no way he knows what he's talking about. And then suddenly, exactly what he was suggesting began to happen. And not only began to happen, it was overwhelming. It was awe-inspiring. And Simon who was seeing this unfold, who, who Simon knew the state of his heart when he looked at Jesus and said, Master, we've been doing this all night. He knew his heart, and suddenly Simon was 
confronted with the state of who he really was. And he was also confronted with the reality of who Jesus is. And he didn't just look at Jesus and say, cool trick. He didn't look at Jesus and say, how'd you do that? He didn't look at Jesus and say, ah, beginner's luck, what do you know? And take the credit for himself. Simon got down on his knees, fell before Jesus. This fell down at Jesus' knees and he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also... So were James and John, sons of Zebedee. They were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats into land, they left everything. They left everything and followed Jesus. Staying regular. Simon, James, and John, their whole cohort of fishermen, they're just regular fishermen. Regular guys doing the job that they know how to do. Probably doing the job that they're really good at. The thing that provides for them. The thing that takes care of them. The thing that puts money in their pockets and food on their tables. More than that, this is what defines them as being men, standing out in their society, being good at what they do. They have a skilled trade. They're capable and able of doing whatever's in front of them. And this man out of nowhere shows up and completely upends all of it in an instant. Simon was a seasoned fisherman and even his skill sets were not meeting the needs in the moment. He wasn't being successful. He wasn't catching anything. He was going home to his family empty-handed. He had nothing to take to the market, no food to put on the table. Everything that Simon should have been able to do for himself, he was confronted with the reality that he can only go so far and then suddenly Jesus enters the situation and takes him to a place he never could have imagined being. And it humbled him to the point, Simon was humbled to the point where he dropped on his knees and he cried out to Jesus, said, get away from me. I can't even be near you. What have I done? If you know this, you know me. You know my heart. You know my situation. Regular fisherman Simon was at the end of himself. Simon was disengaged, just doing what he always did, bringing in those nets, cleaning them off, trying to figure out how he can go home and tell his wife that he didn't catch anything. He was disengaged, he was discouraged, he was disappointed, 
And Jesus chose, he chose right then and there to sit down in Simon's boat. He chose to sit down in Simon's excavator. He chose to sit down in Simon's math class. He chose to sit down in Simon's workshop. He chose to sit down in Simon's kitchen. He chose to sit down at Simon's dinner table. Jesus sat down right in the middle of everything that was bringing discouragement to Simon. Jesus got in there, got into Simon's business. He stepped in with Simon at Simon's lowest point. Church, how many of you are going through some low points? How many of you are going through some low points? And you're wondering, how can I possibly make it through this? How can I talk to my spouse about this? How am I going to put food on my table? How am I going to even be a man? How am I even going to be a woman? How am I even going to stand up in the midst of these trials? How am I going to face tomorrow? I don't want to face tomorrow. I need a way out of this mess. Jesus showed up and he got in to Simon's boat. He got in to Simon's business and he ministered to him in a way that made sense. So this past week, I've been fighting with Maria's car. Not with Maria. I love her. She is my wife. I married her. We never fight. We've never fought once before in our lives, ever. Ever. And the laughing ensues. Some of you know us. We fight well to the glory of God, okay? been fighting with Maria's car this week. It's been a busy week. It's been a weird week. Trying to put her car back together. Had some great help from some good friends to come and get the transmission slipped back in place and slide that in, bolts it up, everything's looking good. But now I gotta deal with the subframe. None of you know what that is, but that's okay. It's the part underneath that holds the whole vehicle together and keeps the engine where it's supposed to be. Well, it's unbolted, and it's not lining up, and things aren't going in where they're supposed to go in. And, and fighting with it. Graham, out, Graham and I are getting dirty and getting dirt in our eyes and, and covered in dust and, and coolant and transmission fluid, and, and we can't manage to get anything to quite line up and fit. And I said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to deal with this in the morning. And I went to go deal with it in the morning, and it didn't want to go back together anyway. What is going on here? Usually I don't struggle with these types of things. So then yesterday afternoon... As I'm laying underneath the car, at my wit's end, and you know how it is, you know, you, know, you know the saying, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? What does that mean? It means that just that one last thing was added to the load, and it decimated the poor camel. And this subframe not coming back together and not being able to get in place and not being able to have a vehicle for my wife to drive and get the kids around and everywhere else because my other daughter doesn't want to drive the truck she's scared of it so I got to get the car going and like there's all these things going on and plus it's Christmas season and they're supposed to be happy and no one's happy because they're busy and, and all these things are going on and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do and I'm flipping through every forum online that you could possibly imagine to get answers from. And there are no answers because nobody's had this problem that I'm dealing with. And I'm at a loss. And then like a good pastor, what's the first thing I do? Pray? No. <laughs> of course not. Just being real, everybody. Come on. Let's be honest, right? You, and, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know what to do. I've exhausted all of my resources. I'm Simon. 
sitting on the shore, holding parts of Maria's subframe in my hands, knowing full well i got to tell her that this thing's not going back together, and it's not going to be a good conversation. We don't fight. Don't get me wrong. But we have, and, and we have, like, oh, what are we, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I thought, man, I'm an idiot. I'm preaching about this thing tomorrow. About, about Jesus getting right into the middle of Simon's business. And what's the, what's the first thing I've neglected to do? I've neglected to pray. So I'm laying there in the dirt. Rocks in my hair. Probably still rocks in my hair. If you worked under a car, you understand. Grease on my hands. Tired. Frustrated. Because I don't have an answer. And so I closed my eyes while laying on the back of my workshop. And I said, Lord... Thank you for who you are. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't fix this. I'm at a loss. I know that you are my creator. And you have given me creativity because you are my creator. Lord, would you please give me a creative solution to figure out this mess that I'm in? Amen. And as I'm laying on the floor of my workshop, Ratchets underneath my back. Jack stand pressed up against my head. I open up my eyes, and I turn to the left, and I see this bolt. Huh. I'd be really curious if I just loosen that a bit, if everything just kind of slipped back in place. So I loosen that bolt, just a little bit. And suddenly, as if it were magic, the thing that I'd been fighting with for days came back together, flawlessly, slipped into place. Every bolt lined up without a single issue. Everything sucked back up into the frame of the vehicle. All the wheels were perfectly aligned. And I'm thinking, I, I couldn't have planned this out better. But here's the thing. I couldn't plan it out better. Because I had to go through a moment of realizing my answers don't come from me. I'm just a regular guy trying to get through life. My answers come from the Lord. I was disengaged, disencouraged, disappointed. Jesus got into my business. How many of us here, how many of us in this community are really wrestling with the reality of that right now? You're just at the end. You're not sure what to do. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is foolishness to pray about your situation. You know what I'm talking about, right? Of course it isn't, but you feel that it is. How on earth can God help me put a subframe back on a Volkswagen? How? How could this be possible? How, 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 how could Simon have an expectation that some guy who's teaching Aramaic over here about the scriptures have any idea what it looks like to actually catch fish? How? It's not possible. But Simon took a moment, a chance even, just to listen. Just to try to appeal. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Fine. Looks like this guy's not going to leave me alone anyway. If we know if we know that we need to go out farther and deeper 
But everything that we've tried is failing. We simply can't muster what it takes to do the next thing. We can't gather enough courage to take another step. We can't even consider the idea of reaching out to God because we're so broken and we don't know where to start. I want to encourage you this morning, church. I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is not a stranger to the reality of what you are going through right now. He's not a stranger to it. He's not ashamed of it. He doesn't want to run the other direction from it. He doesn't want to call you out and shame you and embarrass you. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to get right in the middle of your business. He's waiting for you to say, please come in and show me. All he wants to do is know you so that you can know him and he can get into the midst of all that's ailing you. And it might seem insane. You might think, pastor, you don't even know what you're talking about. Do you have any idea the garbage that I'm going through right now? How can God help me in the midst of this? How could God help this guy catch fish? How could God help me put everything back together in Maria's car? How? Because he's God. He is bigger than us. He is greater than us. He is good. We really aren't. And he meets us where we are at, but he doesn't leave us there. You might be feeling like you're pretty regular and pretty down in the dumps, like you just don't know what the next step to take is. I want to tell you this morning, the next step to take for you is to invite Jesus into your business. When we are weak, he is strong. I felt really weak this past week. I'm sure many of you have felt that before or are also feeling that right now. Where you're just like, I got nothing else. I don't know what else to do. If you haven't ever felt like that before, God bless you. You're probably lying to yourself. When we are weak, he is strong. His strength is perfected in our weakness. I learned this week that my God is the master mechanic. It's true. And Simon learned in his week that Jesus is the master fisherman. What do you need to learn in your life about who Jesus is? Maybe you need to learn that Jesus is the master forestry guy. Maybe you need to learn this week that Jesus is the master equipment operator. Maybe you need to learn this week that Jesus is the ultimate husband. Maybe you need to learn this week that Jesus is the ultimate teacher. Maybe you need to learn this week that Jesus is the ultimate provider. I will tell you right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Your situation might not look like it's changed too much on the surface, but everything has changed underneath. Everything changes because your focus shifts from the very thing that has captured your attention, the very thing that you're fixated on, the very thing that you are worshiping with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. And that might be depression. That might be your financial situation. That might be the state of your health. That might be your retirement savings plan. It could be anything. You are hyper-focused on this very thing that has become an idol in your life. And Jesus is just saying, look at me. Look at me. Pay attention to me for a minute. Look at me. I am not a stranger to what you're going through. Do you need help? Ask me for help. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. When Simon was defeated 
When he was disengaged, discouraged, and disappointed, Jesus stepped into the midst of his business. He stepped right into the midst of Simon's trash and filth and sorrow. Simon says it himself. Depart from me, I'm sinful. Jesus got right into the middle of it and met him there. Jesus says, put down deep and let your nets out for a catch. Jesus wasn't the fisherman. Jesus wasn't yet the realized Messiah. Jesus hadn't been crucified or resurrected yet. Jesus, the carpenter, told this career fisherman what to do. And out of sheer ambivalence, Simon begrudgingly entertains this idea. And what happens? Simon's confronted with the reality of who he really is. Sometimes when we meet Jesus, sometimes when just regular you and me meet Jesus, we really get a light shone on the reality that we're a bit of a disaster. And we try to have it together. We try to put on the face. We try to make sure we smile. When someone asks how we're doing, we try to say we're doing great. Right? We're doing I'm great. I'm good. We're on drugs. I'm great. We try. We try, but it fails. Because our idea, our idea of success, of figuring out, of happiness, of joy, our idea will always leave us lacking. It might feel good for a bit, but it will always leave us lacking more so in eternity. Simon realized this, and he could have done one of two things. He could have become very hostile and yelled and screamed at Jesus, who do you think you are stepping into my business? What are you trying to do, teach me how to fish? Are you trying to embarrass me in front of my friends? I can deal with this myself. I can provide for myself. I'm strong enough to be able to do this on my own. I'm a man. Are, are, you, are you saying that I'm not tough enough to do the job that I was doing all night long? What's the matter with you? Get out of here. Jeez. That could have been Simon's response. But when we meet Jesus, we have the opportunity to become humble. Simon was humbled. Oh, Lord, depart from me. I'm sinful. I'm not worthy. I'm wretched. I'm unclean. But this is the response that Jesus has to a regular fisherman. And if you're wondering if Jesus can have a response to you in your life as just a regular person, I promise you today that the response that Christ has for your life will change your destiny forever. It will uproot you. You will be upended when you come face to face with the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the one who sacrificed for our sins so we don't pay the eternal price. And he goes out of his way to meet this fisherman in a boat and see his life transformed. And Jesus could have looked at him and said, I don't want to work with this guy. He looks like he's a little unreliable. I don't want to work with this guy. He was a little bit cautious about going out and doing the extra hard work. I don't want to look at this guy, work with this guy, because on first appearances, he's terrible at what he does. But Jesus didn't say any of that. This is the best part. 
When I say this, I say this almost every Sunday, Jesus meets us where we are at, but never leaves us where he found us. Jesus met Simon where Simon was at, and he wasn't left there. Jesus' sympathy for Simon's sheer humanity says this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. And Simon's like, I'm a terrible fisherman to begin with. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have intention for you. I built and created and developed you a certain way so that you can have an effect on the world around you. Don't worry about all of your fail, failing points, all of your flaws, all of your faults. I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on me. Because when you focus on me, the rest of that just disappears. How many of us have been worshiping our own faults and failures? How many of us have been worshiping our own successes and abilities? And we have chosen time and time again to be the own answer, to be our own answer for our own problems. But what we really need is we need an external source. We need Jesus. How do you go from being a regular person to having an effect on the world around you? Jesus does it. Here's the pro tip for you today. You don't. Jesus does it. And when they brought their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. Worship team, I'll get you to come up. Ben, Maria, Kristen, if you guys want to head over to the prayer corner over there. I wasn't planning on doing this this morning, but I'm going to do it this morning. And Tammy, with the music, let's just, let's just have some background music for now. It's easy to feel really overwhelmed and inadequate. And the reality is, I think, I think we actually should feel that way when we're running on our own steam. We should. The reality is, we're, we're going to feel worn out. We have a finite amount of life that we can apply, a finite amount of energy that we can apply to the situations that we are in. And when one thing stacks upon another, upon another, upon another, upon another, and that camel is ready, or that hair is ready to break the camel's back, we can become desperate. We can do desperate things. As a matter of fact, sadly enough, many people in our community have done desperate things. Some of you that are sitting here this morning have considered doing desperate things. You're like Simon. You, you've tried all the approaches. You've done all the things. And nothing that you normally could be successful at is hitting home. Nothing is working the way that it's supposed to. I'm sure many of us here this morning have just been feeling that lately. Like, man, things just don't seem normal. 
Things don't seem regular. We see Simon here, who's just this fisherman. Simon is the one who is trained and qualified. Simon's the one who used to brag about all the fish that he caught. Simon fully and completely depended upon his skills and his abilities to provide for his family, to care for his loved ones, uphold his dignity, remain a tough, macho man. Simon depended on these things. Simon, who is defeated, who is disengaged, who is discouraged, who is disappointed, Simon was at the end of himself. I know we're talking about staying regular. And I want you to know that exactly where you are right now is actually okay. You might think that you need to manufacture something to pretend that you're not, to pretend that everything's fine. You might feel like you need to put on the face or put on the smile, not let anybody in to those sore spots of your life because you don't want anyone to see the reality of what you've been facing, what you've been dealing with, what your struggles have been. But Jesus wants to get into your business. I firmly believe in the depths of my heart that what Jesus did upon the cross was for, for, was for far more than us just eating, sleeping, living, and dying. Jesus died upon that cross, defeated death in the grave. He rose again, appeared to a crowd of many witnesses, and gave instruction to his church to go and change the world. How? The Holy Spirit ministers into our lives, through our lives, and out of our lives. But I think for far too long we've been trying to do stuff on our own strength. We, we forget those special moments where we just need to simply fall down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I'm broken. I'm a mess. I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't do this on my own anymore. The, these simple things that used to just come so easy are, are fleeting. They're, they're running away. And we could look at that and say, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Or we could look at that and run to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this anymore. The response of our world nowadays has just been to throw money at things and throw programs at things and, and just try to make things happen and make things work and, and appease as many people as we can for as long as we possibly can. But everything eventually runs out and the things that we consume will ultimately never satisfy the state of our souls. We're desperate for connection. We're desperate for love. We're desperate to understand our identities. Who are we? We're, we're, we're desperate to be a part of something. We're desperate to be known. We're desperate to be heard. Nothing in this world satisfies the desperate state of our souls. Only one person does, and it's Jesus. So this morning, church, 
we're going to do is we're going to step into a little bit of time of worship here. And we've got our team over at the side. I just want to encourage you. If you've been in this place, if you are in this place right now, I want to encourage you to come and get some prayer. Come and get some prayer. You don't have to be embarrassed. You might need to unload some stuff and unpack some stuff. That's okay. There's nothing that you're going to surprise us with. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and just like Simon was a fisherman for a long time. You see, his ultimate career didn't change. Just what he was fishing for began to change. God uses the gifts and the skill sets that he has placed in you. See, Simon, what does he know? He knows what time to go out. He knows what equipment to bring. He knows what to pack in his lunch kit. And he knows where the fish are. He's been trained in this. He's good at it. He has skills. Jesus called him to apply those skills to something that has eternal consequence. Not to just go catch fish that feeds the belly, but to catch men so they'll have the word of God, the bread of life, that unending water in their souls. So why don't you stand up this morning, church. This idea of following Jesus in a in a deeper way, it might seem scary. What Simon asked here is, what Simon did is terrifying. He, he walked away from everything that he knew. He left it all on the shore. He abandoned it. Because he chose to follow Jesus. He realized suddenly, immediately, and completely that Jesus is the one that will take care of every single thing that he could possibly ever need. Do you know that this morning? Or are you still on the fence about this idea that maybe Jesus might be able to fix your situation? I want to tell you this morning. Jesus is not a stranger to where you're at. He's not a stranger to who you are. He's not a stranger to the things that you have done or the things that have been done to you. He is not afraid of you. He's not worried you might offend him. Jesus just wants to be in the midst of what's going on in your circumstances. But I'll tell you this, when you listen to him and you see that he actually does change things, nothing else matters anymore. It's all for naught. All those fish that you've amassed, all those things that you've done, the skills that you've sharpened and honed, he's going to use them for a new purpose. And that's for his work. It's no longer for you to get the credit and for you to get the glory. He has a plan that brings the glory to him. And you get to walk on the journey with him and watch his miracles unfold in your life a moment by moment, day by day, and share the testimony of what Jesus has done to those that are also hurting around you. So let's close in prayer this morning. And if you need prayer today, if you are at that point where you just don't know where else to go, don't know what else to do, don't know where to turn, head on up. If you're scared to walk in front, walk around back. Head over to the prayer corner. We want to pray with you this morning. 
I believe that some of you this morning are going to be set free of the very things that have kept you in bondage for a long time. I believe that some of you here that today have been wrestling for quite a while of what it looks like to really say yes to the Lord. Today's the day. I believe some of you here this morning have done a very, very good job of providing for yourselves and amassing wealth, making a name for yourself. All of that pales in comparison to the reality that you are simply and plainly loved by God at the most base level of who you are. He might be calling some of you this morning to step away from the very things that you have become comfortable with and say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Let's close your eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can lean into your word and we can learn from your word. We thank you for the incredible gift that you have given us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have eternally because of the work on the cross. We thank you for your might and your power. We thank you that you are great and we are not. Help us to humbly remember that this morning, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful to teach, faithful to share, faithful in obedience, and faithful to do the work that your Father asked you to. Jesus, we thank you that you were faithful to death upon the cross. We thank you that you made a way for us to know your Father. We thank you that you've cleansed us from our unrighteousness. You've purged us of our iniquities. You've washed us from the dirt and the mess that we've picked up along the way. We thank you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are amongst the church. Through the promise of Jesus, who said he is sending one after him. Holy Spirit, I also thank you that we can lean on the promise of the word that says where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst. So Holy Spirit, come down upon your church this morning. Minister to hearts and lives this morning. Get into the business of people's circumstances today. Holy Spirit, point us, point us to the Father. Help us know and understand how desperate our states are and how much we need you. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. In your holy name we pray, amen.